The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So I want to say a couple of words for the benefit of those of you who um, are, you know, starting in this form tonight. This is, uh, I'm happy to see that most of you are um, um, here from the morning. So it's nice to see that kind of continuity morning to evening. The thing that I'd like to just to, to mention is that partly what this form is is to provide the opportunity for sharing and reflecting about your daily life practice. And so that's a large part of what happens here, that we... Um, it's mostly a conversation, actually. It's mostly a conversation about what's happening, and, and I may have some things that I, I say about what you might talk about. And so just a couple of words about that aspect of reporting, um, or describing. Sometimes people don't like the word reporting. Um, describing your experience. that Basically to just see if you can... Um, keep the description of your experience to kind of the essential points that are relevant to the Dharma. You know, what you are experiencing, kind of the, the, in, the, in the bare bones kind of way, you know, there were these emotions, these body sensations, that kind of thing. And not so much about the story or the content. So it's kind of like, in a way, mindfulness out loud that we're talking about here that we're looking at um, our experience through the lens of direct, what, what can be directly met as opposed to our ideas, our beliefs, our thoughts, our stories about our experience. It's so easy to slide into a belief when you're talking about your experience. Easy to slide into a meaning of what this means about your practice, what it means about you, what it means about the world what it means about the other person. And so it's really helpful to, it's a support for your, your mindfulness practice to learn about how to report and describe your experience in this way. So it will, it will be very supportive for you if, you if you can practice this kind of, it's essentially a reflection on your, your, your meditation. It's a reflection on your, your mindfulness in daily life and using this reflection as a support for how you might then meet your experience going forward. So if you talk about your experience in this way, it might incline you towards meeting your experience more directly without uh, all of the stories. So in a description of your experience, um, See if you can talk a little bit about some place where you felt like things were going kind of well. And I'd actually like to hear from those of you who haven't been here in the mornings or haven't had a chance to, re- to describe your experience in the mornings. Um, I'd like to start with you and let you have a chance to, to put your voice into the room. And um, so describing perhaps a little bit about the tasks that you've chosen for the week um, the the task and the chore, and then something about how you're engaging also with the aspect of wise speech, um, how that's working for you. 
and perhaps some place where it feels like it's going well, some place where it feels like it might be challenging. Um, it's often helpful and interesting to, to talk about both sides of that equation. So we introduced ourselves. What's your name? Oh, my name is Kim. Kim? Okay, nice to meet you. Did anybody not get the handouts from Sunday? Okay. Could you give them? So, is there anyone who would be willing who did who wasn't who hasn't been here? I could could point to you. Joel has been here but hasn't reported. Um, Luis, um, Kim, Deborah, and Linda, and Lauren um, all have not had the opportunity. So would any, would any of you like to start? And oh, just one other piece, a couple more pieces. We are recording this. It's being recorded for the Internet. So it is not required for you to do this. Um, but I think you will find it helpful um, if you are willing to engage in this way. Kim? Okay. Yes, says, along the lines of this, this daily life practice, the exercises, the tasks I suggested on Sunday, um, how you've been working with those, what you've been, is that one dead? Okay. Um, and, and what you've been noticing um, about that? So, um, I don't think it's working. It's oh, working. It works. So, basically, uh, today... Uh, I got an email from from uh, a company that I supposed to be to be replying. It, it was sent out on Friday around five o'clock, so they needed a reply. But yesterday I was so busy. By the time I got home, I fell asleep. So today they sent a second reminder, and I found myself going to the internet and saying, "Oh, oh, well, um, you know, um, the email was lost." <laughs> so immediately my mind suddenly stopped and I like, oh my God, I have committed a, um, in a way, a false, false speech. speech. Yes. Well, it wasn't a speech. Uh-huh. But well, it is communication and, yeah. and we can look at our email communication as a form, as a form of speech. Right. It's really helpful actually to do that. Yeah. So, so before doing that, I was like, oh my God. And then I felt like I, first number one, was embarrassed for not replying as fast as I could. And that was definitely a... Uh, business no-nos and and so I didn't know what else I could say that would not um, how should I say offend the other person that I had not paid attention to their email and have not tried to reply to Mm -hmm. so but at least I thought about it and I thought about the practice and I thought okay this is where I can stop and try to to correct my, my mistake. Yes, yes. Great. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that you kind of caught yourself. I mean, Yeah, the, the catching was something that I uh, was aware of. Uh-huh. And that was the thing that I, in the past I would have not thought about. Yes. So that uh-huh. was, it was the catching. That, that was and, the, and did it alter how you then responded or communicated? It altered slightly. 
<laughs> because I felt like I didn't want to offend them that I didn't reply to them immediately because they were the email sent to me was like did you not receive it what's wrong with you type of thing and I was like oh my god and I didn't know what else to say except for well um, I didn't say like I would have said it's lost but I said well it in a way, I implied it's lost. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I don't one, know what else to do. One thing to look at is, um, you know, our discomfort around acknowledging that we've made a mistake publicly. Okay. You know, that one way to do it is to say, I'm so sorry. Somehow, you know, I, you know, I saw it, but it just, you know, oh. slipped my mind, and I really apologize for not... Responding quickly, you know, to actually re- apologize. Okay, okay. Y- yeah, I mean... Thank you. <laughs> I felt so stuck. I was just sitting there thinking, what, what can I say? What can I say that's not, you know... Yeah, so apologies are actually very powerful. Okay. You know, that, that um, you know, it, it allows the person to feel acknowledged and to, um, you know, it's so, it's so interesting. I found kind of an interesting kind of situation around this Somebody sent me an email saying, you know, somebody, somebody, somebody had done something based on something that I had said that, you know, wasn't quite what the, the group, I mean, it's a kind of complicated scenario, but, you know, there was a group that this person was going to be with, and based on something I had said, that person engaged in that group in a particular way, and, um, and the people from that group sent me a message back saying, you know, this person, you know, wasn't, you know, based on what you'd said, that person hadn't, you know, behaved quite the way we would have liked. <laughs> and, um, and my initial response was to, was to kind of, you know, it was almost just very, very briefly, it was to, to you know, um, you know, figure out that this person had misinterpreted what I'd said and to say, she must have, she must have misheard me. You know, to kind of get myself off the hook, and then I realized, well, I had no, I had no recollection of having the conversation, so I didn't remember what I had said. So I couldn't say, you know, what I couldn't say what I had said or not said. I didn't even remember what I had said. So, um, so basically, what I, I said was like, I'm so sorry this happened. You know, I apologize. I really, you know, I apologized, and I said I don't remember what I said to her. Um, and I don't remember having the conversation, but in the future, in speaking with people, I will be more careful in how I speak about this. And so, you know, I, it really struck me that, um, you know, my, f- my, my first little thing was, oh, get myself off the hook. You know, somebody's telling me I made a mistake. You know, get yourself off the hook. And it's like, no, acknowledge it. You know, okay, you know, I'm sorry. I apologize. And it's, it's so much less painful, actually, to apologize. Yeah. Because I felt guilty the whole day about it, and I feel like, God, I, I mean, at least caught it, then I've made some modification just to make sure I'm not appearing like I'm lying, but I didn't want to offend her, I didn't want to appear like I'm not really, I'm kind of, in a way, not responsible. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. she hadn't met me, and I didn't want to have a first impression that's really bad. But I, it, the truth is, I, I did forget her message. It came so late and on a Friday afternoon that... I totally forgot about it and spent the whole weekend not worrying about it. And right, yeah. Monday came, I was working, and I totally forgot. So I, I felt like I somehow I wanted to appease her. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. I didn't know how. But actually, it was like, probably more you're right. for you. Yeah. It was more for me. And had I said, maybe say straight out and said, okay, I apologize. I 
Yes. I would not feel so bad it, the whole time. Yes, that is quite likely. <laughs> so this is a good a good example around how our, you know, small actions do make us, you know, they make us turn for quite a long time thinking about it. So it's actually much easier to just go, oh, okay, let me just deal with this in a really straight way. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Did you, have you thought about um, picking tasks to help you remember about mindfulness? Um, No, no, I didn't because I couldn't come up with you mean something to trigger? Yeah, something to, to, to remember about. Um, no, I, I didn't. Okay, well then maybe in hearing other people talk you'll get some, some, some thoughts. Some ideas, yeah. 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 Okay, thank you, Kim. Deborah. So for my... Once a day activity, I chose washing dishes, but I'd say I wasn't very mindful. I was aware that I was lost in thought during that, but I've actually been better with the one that happens throughout the day, uh, sitting down, standing up, Mm -hmm. that I've been pretty aware during that activity. So in the in the the washing dishes, you said you were aware you were lost in thought. So how did that come about that you were aware you were lost in thought? I mean, was it that you were lost and you re- remembered, or were you kind of just generally aware that you were thinking? I think I'd even forgotten my vow to be mindful about washing the dishes. I just kind of woke up to, oh, I'm really caught in thought here. Okay, okay. Caught in a familiar story. Uh-huh. And when that happened, what happened? Did you stay in the thought, or were you able to come back to the... I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so with the, with the dishes, um, I, I know you've been on, you know, done this before, but I don't know if you remember hearing the little tip on this so you know put a reminder put a put a uh, a post-it note yeah a post-it note or you know some big you know flower or something that you know well after talking about it i think i might remember better (laughs) (laughs) that's partly what this what this does right right (laughs) um how about with the speech um i hadn't gotten those instructions so okay Okay. Though I, I w- was aware today, I had a, converse, a phone conversation that I, when I got off the phone, I didn't even realize how long I'd been talking. So, but yeah, I didn't really know about the right speech practice. Okay, so yeah, read the um, the suggestions and and see what you think. Um. <clears throat> well, I feel like this um, workshop should have started. Um, maybe a week ago, because last Friday, I started a new job um, a week ago Monday. And um, by Friday, I was exhausted, and I yelled at some kids. Well, I talked partially to them. And I used the word C-R-A-P, which they objected to. They also thought that I told them they were stupid. I don't think I did that. I think I might have said something about maturity levels. I know I didn't use the stupid word. 
And I also kept a toy of one child's. And um, I didn't know why. I mean, she was playing with it, but... um, And so after um, Sunday... Of course, I was I was upset about this all weekend, and then Sunday. So uh, Monday morning, I decided to go to that school first. So I got there at seven thirty. Their teacher was there, and um, apologized to the teacher. Returned the toy to the teacher. She says my kids were so upset; they're writing letters to the principal. <laughs> I said, "Oh, wonderful." <laughs> Yeah, so I get to see them Friday and convey my apologies um, in person. Yeah. And um, there's nothing I can really blame it on except I was exhausted, very stressed, and I just kind of lost it. And um, so this week I've been... Um, trying to be mindful whenever I say anything to a class. And I realize that once I raise my voice, that helps me to lose it. Oh, uh-huh. uh, That's great to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I found myself even um, saying very quietly, um, everyone who can hear this instruction and will follow it, They'll get to they'll get to go first, and so um, that has a way of of um, shushing the other ones up so they can hear what's going on so that they can be first. And so I'm learning all of these little things to say um, and to do, and a manner to say them in. So I'm trying to be mind really really mindful all the time, mm-hmm. and um, it's hard. It is hard. It is hard, and you'll probably forget. So, you know, remembering about compassion for yourself when you forget, and about apologizing, about, you know... um, And if you you can catch... Like, you you notice the trigger, kind of, of raising your voice, moving you into uh, losing it... um, so that's great. If you can if you can notice those little things, you might catch that more quickly. And if you can catch it while it's happening, even if you, you know, have raised your voice and started yelling, if you can catch that and apologize immediately, I mean that that um, that can also help to 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 re- uh, reduce the, you know, the impact. Today um I left some. I let some kids into the library um, while I had to take some other kids to their parents after school. And when I came back, I found that um, somebody had broken a shelf and books were on the floor. And another, and then he'd gone away, and another student ratted on him. <laughs> And so I tracked him down and said, did you do this? And he, and he said, yes. I said, well, and I'd been thinking about it because it happened so easy. You know, he'd tried to climb on a bookcase. And um, so I said, well, you have to come back and help me fix it. 
you know, it happens really easy, but you know that you're not to climb on the bookshelf. And uh, so he came back and we fixed it, but um, I could have really yelled at him, and I think he thought he'd done something really awful, but it's a kind of a routine thing to lose a shelf like that in a library. Uh-huh. So... Um, and, and how did he respond? I mean, he responded very well. Uh-huh. I said, you know what this means is that I can't um, leave any kids in the library when I'm not there. And that if something like this happens again, you need to tell me so we can fix it. You don't need to be afraid. It you know, happens all the time. And he was like, you know, he was, he was pretty mature about it. Uh-huh. So... Um, I felt like I did a good thing that way. Great. <laughs> How about your um, your tasks? Are you are you overloaded with the right speech this week? Is that enough for you? <laughs> I'm trying to take time for myself in the morning. I have my alarm set for six, but I absolutely hate the sound of the alarm. And so I usually wake up about half an hour early or earlier. And then I get up and I um, and I just you know the, do the routine things. I wash my face. I um, um, you know I just take uh, you know that time before six a.m. for myself, uh-huh. and um, and just take everything really really slowly. And it was amazing today when I did that when I. Because usually I'm hurry, 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 and I start one thing and run to the other, and I get real distracted and upset. But I thought, no, I'm just going to do one thing. And then I'd look at my watch because I'd have the one thing done, and no time had passed hardly. (laughs) It was like, oh, my goodness, you know. (laughs) And I was actually like, well, you know, when I hurry really fast, you know, I don't get anything done, and the time goes. But when I am doing very methodically just doing one thing to completion, it seems like hardly any time passed and it was all taken care of. (laughs) That, I don't know, it could have been my watch. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Okay, great. Yeah, thank you, Linda. Lauren? So I don't think that I've adopted anything consciously in terms of starting the retreat, but in reflecting um, what I've been working on and and sort of taken on as a task is um, this feeling of stress and struggle, which we've been working with in the group and just trying to identify um, when I'm struggling, reflecting on when there's a feeling of struggle and trying to see it in the moment and asking myself, uh, using that as a mindfulness sort of trigger and sort of asking myself what my contribution to that feeling is Uh in the moment Uh and what I can do to tone it down and not feel a feeling of struggle or stress or rush. Um, and And then using that to reflect the next day. And uh, it's it's actually a really interesting practice, and that's so that's what I've been working with is just sort of trying to notice. I mean, it's, it's coming more automatically, sort of 
the ability to notice the ability to notice uh-huh. it and soften around it and see if that's enough without trying without fighting it mm-hmm. without resisting without mm-hmm. um, when you cannot resist your struggle yeah it's really powerful just sort of trying to take the meditation instruction that Gil has given before to sort of feel it and acknowledge it and soften around mm-hmm. it and that's often enough mm-hmm. um so that's sort of the ongoing task, I guess, on reflection that I've adopted. Um, as far as speech, again, I don't think I've really adopted anything consciously for this week. But um, in reflecting on it as I was sitting here just now, it's a really rich area to, to work with. And just in the last couple of days, I started thinking, well, there's this and there's that and there's the other thing. <laughs> and I think what has come up is that um, I'm really looking at, I think, the consequences of unwise speech. Mm -hmm. And I'm very much bearing the consequences right now of some very seriously unwise speech over the weekend. Um, And a lot of what I am... So there have been a couple of things. One of the things that's really coming up a lot is the the consequences in terms of harmful internal self-speech. Yes. Um, uh-huh. really not being that kind to myself. And um, just maybe trying to look at... I think I need to look at that a little bit more closely now that I'm seeing it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and then today, um, again, in the context of email, as one other person mentioned, um, you know, again, bearing the consequences of that event... Um, uh, something came back to me and sort of brought this up again. And I had to respond, and it was really interesting because it was a long message that carried a lot of content, only some of which related to this event. And I needed to respond to all of it. And it, there was such a tendency to, like, blast back, you know. And um, so I really took my time to respond and really figure out how I wanted to, what the tone was that I needed to convey and what I didn't need to convey which was really important. And part of this was something that somebody was giving, was offering. And I, I was very surprised. I actually sort of surprised myself by starting out the email by saying, I'm very grateful to you for doing this, when the initial response had been, you know, really unkind back. <laughs> you know, the initial thought had not been near gratitude. <laughs> not even close. And so... <laughs> And so I actually really responded, and I felt, it felt wonderful actually to be able to kind of um, parse that out a little bit, to take those pieces out and say, no, I really am grateful for this thing. I really am angry about that at this person. I'm angry at myself about it. And just sort of to see it's not all one thing. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. to sort of be able then to sort of, there's this, the, you know, this I was grateful about, this is neutral, this is neutral. There's the difficult part. What do I want to say about that? And having, um, I guess, allowed myself to kind of step back from the the emotion or the difficulty around, uh, break it down into its pieces, made it easier to write the last bit and not just, you know, throw it back over the net, back at you kind of thing. It's like, no, I, I just need to respond to this piece. I don't need to respond in kind. I don't need to pick up that whole tone. Yes. So that was, that was interesting. So, but it still is all just reverberating from this very dramatically unwise event. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's very interesting, actually, that you bring that up. I think, in general, that's something that we all um, 
you know, it's, it's a very important part of our practice to recognize when we are bearing the consequences of something that we've done that's unskillful. And not to beat ourselves up about it. Really, really not to beat ourselves up about it. I mean, you, you mentioned the unkind internal speech around that. Be as compassionate as you can about that too. I mean, noticing that that's coming up. But the, the point of the reflection and the, the recognition of, oh, you know, this is the consequences. It's like this when I behave like that. It's, it's a powerful... Um, you know, the mind is getting an education about cause and effect and about suffering. These causes lead to this. So it's a very powerful teaching if we can take it in as a teaching and not as something to flagellate ourselves with um, and that is challenging I mean we, we, we want to go back and you know fix the past <laughs> we want to change you know change the past and, you know make it so it wasn't wasn't like this we don't want to feel this feeling so we want to somehow even if it's just in our minds make it that well I really wasn't to blame it wasn't my fault that I feel like this it was their fault that I feel like this because we just cannot tolerate the fact that we were responsible that we had a con- contribution to that the consequences and so acknowledging our own responsibility is an important part of truthfulness and um, um, and waking up Really, it's interesting so. to think about it in the context of truthfulness because I know I hurt somebody with what I did and that feels terrible and it's interesting to see how much the mind bounces back and forth when that comes up when that realization comes up and you do, you wake up to it again and again and again and trying to find the way out it's like, right, somebody else was to blame oh, I'm a terrible person. Oh, you know, it's just like, it's almost as though the mind sort of fills any kind of vacuum. You know, when I get into the car, when I, you know, when there's an empty space, the mind is going back there and trying to find a way to to hook into it that isn't going to hurt so much. You know, it just goes right back to that. And all I want is like not to think about it. So there's that resistance piece in that as well that I think is making it more complicated. I'm going to bring up something that um, um, I heard in Burma in the monastery and it's 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 a little bit you you have to take this wisely this teaching but um so you know you mentioned the you know so something happened causes and consequences i mean causes and conditions arose such that unskillful speech arose habits and patterns were in the fore as opposed to mindfulness and wisdom um, and so this unskillful speech came out. Then there's the thought, I'm a terrible person. It's not you. It is habits and patterns. And, and you know, some, in some ways, to, you know, to think about it in terms of it's, it's your defilements that are making those choices. It's not you that's making those choices. You know, it's, just, just, it's the causes and conditions of, of, the, um, of those habits and patterns having the momentum at that moment. Um, and there's not a lot you can do about it sometimes, you know. 
So, but but we do. I mean, that's not a that's not a what do you call it? A carte blanche to <laughs> oh, just you know, okay, well, <laughs> just let everything happen. But it it is a way to to reflect. You know, it it. I'm a bad person is delusion. There's no I to be bad. There are unskillful choices made out of causes and conditions where mindfulness wasn't able to be strong enough. Thank you, Lauren. Joel. Well, I'll start off with, I guess, the things that I picked, which I think one, it's kind of like, eh, not so exciting, but then again, I guess it's not supposed to be necessarily, is drinking. And I notice how these couple of days I've been not particularly mindful, but I do also notice that for months and months, especially when I'm meditating and I take a drink in the middle of these long meditations I do, I am pretty conscious of how I'm drinking. Am I gulping it down quickly? Am I being mindful of each sip? And I was at times these last couple of days, but this has been more of a long-term thing to watch. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, I've been attentive besides these couple of days. Um, and then sometimes I'll drink something and two hours later, oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> the old, I remember. Yes. Now, the more interesting was what I picked, which was not necessarily something like washing dishes. I picked a something that I've chosen to do that takes a few minutes. And it has to do with music. It's the second time I picked something. Now, last time, or a couple of times maybe, I picked singing spiritual music, which I do pretty regularly for people and myself. And that was nice. But this time, I picked playing guitar scales. And real briefly, I studied guitar for many years, actually classical guitar, and I had a lot of trouble with it, and I gave it up. It's one of the reasons why I focus so much on singing. I I wanted to really play guitar. And I picked up the guitar. I have been playing scales in the last few months. I picked it up, and I played better than I ever have, I think. (laughs) For five minutes, I've tried it twice. And I'm saying, okay, this is where the practice has paid off. (laughs) Amazing. It was so joyful. I was in such joy. I said, wow. And it's like the things that I would make mistakes, I could remember. I was very mindful. I remember I'd be moving my fingers. Oh, I know I normally make mistake and pluck, pluck the string or plunk it. This time it was, you know, a third of what normally I've been doing in my life. And it was been very frustrating for me in, in those studies of the, all those years. Um, so I, I will continue on that. It's it's a choice. I mean, it's not like washing dishes. But yeah, yeah. I'm just you know. I guess I could pick something like washing dishes too. No, but. this is, this sounds fine. I mean, you're basically picking what I'm. What I was looking for is picking a, a time where there's an extended period of time that you're doing something that you can be mindful of to get the sense of bringing the more continuity of mindfulness. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so that that that's fine. That's a fine thing to choose, and it sounds like it's um, it's. A lovely 
a lovely practice. <laughs> yes, yes, and, and it's something that I'd like to, you know, maybe integrate a lot more in my life. So, so something you mentioned about the the drinking that you mentioned that it's neutral, and actually I want to point to that because uh, the things that I suggested you do are pretty neutral. I mean. sitting down, standing up, reaching, going through doorways. And intentionally, it's neutral. Um, Partly because what we're trying to do is to just get familiar with the remembering about mindfulness around some non-charged event. Um, You know, if we're always trying to pay attention to suffering or... Um, you know, the mindfulness sometimes gets linked with that. It's like, and we're not so happy to be mindful because (laughs) we're only paying attention to suffering. And so it kind of just is a way to begin to get the feeling of the mindfulness in daily life around some activity that is not so charged. And that does correspond and relate to the way we pay attention, like the breathing. Typically, the thing we choose for an anchor object in sitting meditation is something that's neutral. You know, if you actually have a charge around the breath, we usually recommend picking another primary object because it makes it difficult to just be really at balance and at ease around that. And so the neutrality is actually a feature (laughs) as opposed to a you know, an issue. And it also is something that, that, again, you have to bring some intentionality towards it because there's not so much of a charge around it. You need to remember. You need to actually consciously make some effort to remember about this neutral thing. So there's a reasoning behind the neutrality. Um, how about the speech? How's the... Well, the speech has been interesting. Um, I left here on Sunday a little early. I had a meeting with someone, a dinner meeting, and I said, well, if I'm not going to do that exercise, which I missed, it was like at 4.30 or, or something, so why not at least when I'm meeting this person, it was a, kind of a business meeting, just practice some pausing and just be aware of that. And it, it was nice. It was, I could, I could see how I jump in often. And was it, it was possible for you to pause in the business meeting? It, it was. Now, this is a person who I know quite well. Um, and yes, I was able to, and it wasn't easy. We were at a noisy restaurant, and it wasn't the easiest to just pause, but enough that I could notice a difference, and it's just I was mindful of it. Uh huh, yeah, that's great. That's great. I mean, you can, I mean, just noticing that little piece around, you know, kind of just the impetus to speak quickly. You know, just that in that pause, there's this discomfort of, <laughs> I really want to speak. <laughs> you know, so, so there's that kind of just feeling of that, that impetus that is maybe got a little charge behind it. You know, so that's great that you were able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, other times, it's interesting that Maybe I'll mention a couple of times I was going to speak with people either via email or on the phone. One person, I was replying to something, and I noticed when I wrote this email, I said something very spiritual and nice. And then I even, I mean, this is a little content-oriented, but I even took what I said 
and turned it a little against myself. So I guess it is related to speech and divisive against myself. I said something that it's like I, my mind just said, so I, I'll mention what I said. I said, may, may the blessings, well, people don't use God here, but I do. I use the word God. So I said, uh-huh. may the blessings, this is someone who's into Hindu chanting, and we've been conversing, and I said, may the blessings of God rest upon you. And then I watched my mind say, well, maybe she's into the goddess. And <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> I said, boy, am I, where am I? And it was just hilarious to hear. Maybe I wasn't politically correct here. And I watched my mind. I said, God, this is, this is poor. Joe, come on now. Get a, get a grip on yourself. And I just laughed at my mind. <laughs> and said, and even if she did, so big deal. I mean, my intent was there. And, you know, it's interesting because it goes back to intention. My intention was good. You know, I really wanted to say something right. nice. It was a wonderful so thing. So you basically saw your mind after you wrote that go through yes. this little kind of mental gymnastics. Right, and yes. then And then it's like, oh, look at that. Right, <laughs> right. And it just did. Even when my intention was, you know, I thought was, was good, but I said, well, maybe I have this underlying. Come on. It's like, let it go. Uh-huh. So <laughs> the other, other time was today, and I had someone who I had gotten together with Saturday night, and we had actually practiced some mindful speech, although it wasn't conscious. Um, and we, and it was her birthday today, and I really wanted to say something good. I called her after I left here in the morning on the road, and I said, you know, I could say all these nice, flowery things, but this is what I believe. This is what I believe. It's, well, I could say this super flowery, but I don't believe that about her. And I said, let me be true. Let me give speech that's true, and yet something that's nice and, and, and really compliments her as a, as a being. And I was able to do it pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. That's lovely to, to, to think about that intention in in the, you know, in the communication, it's it's you know it's connecting. Basically, you know, part of this with speech is it's providing connection. Yeah, and and um, you know, other thing I want to say is what I do for a living is I get on the phone and talk with business people, mainly in the computer realm, IT, so to speak, and I make initial contact with people who don't know who I am, don't know our company. I'm a what they call a cold caller, one of those people like bugs you at night at <laughs> 7 at night or whatever when you're having dinner, one of those types. But it's business to business. And I have to practice speech and listening and pausing all the time because we're not necessarily into the mindful speech thing. And I see myself now, I'm more conscious, hopefully from th- this week, of watching my pausing, watching when I jump in, watching when I don't let that person finish the sentence or when I pause too much and that person says, are you still there? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, did I lose my cell phone connection? And so I'm actually practice, have an opportunity to practice all the time in a sense. That's great. Yeah, great. Thank you, Joel. Um, So that's, that's, we have a few more minutes. So is there anybody who has something that has been coming up for you that, um, I mean, we've got, yeah. Mike, Mike. For some reason, I've really been contemplating idle chatter and what is and isn't idle chatter. And that's not really what we're 
totally focusing on in this group, but it's been very interesting to me because... Uh, well, actually, uh, this is part of what I asked you to do. I mean, I asked you to reflect on those four kinds of speech. Right. What I, I guess I'm looking at it from like a global perspective. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, um, uh, and I was, I was running all these examples through my mind uh, of what idle speech is. Is listening to a Giants game in your car idle speech? I don't know. And I, I, I know there's no clear-cut answers to these questions, but but it was it was something that was uh, it, it really just triggered a whole series of thoughts. And one of the things you mentioned was televisions on in the background. I grew up in a household where the television was always on in the background, and my father, bless his heart, still does that. Only now it's much louder than it ever was. <laughs> so when I visit him, it's so damn annoying because. It, it, we have this very loud background noise. So it just triggered a whole series of of things. I was thinking about sports talk radio. You know, if there's ever idle speech, (laughs) uh, and and yet there will be times where I'll turn to sports talk radio and Uh I'll listen to some sports talk radio in the car. So anyway, I'm not really looking for an answer as much as uh, sharing with the group something that that I've just glommed onto, and maybe uh-huh. I'm being too well, mindful. It's, well, of no, it. it's actually an interesting reflection, and for you, you know, the way you might play with this is to look at. Um, I mean, mostly idle chatter has to do with the intention underneath it, or lack of intention, the lack of purposeful intent. Um, um, so, if you find yourself engaging in conversation that doesn't have purposeful intent, that's a, a kind of a a way to look at whether something's idle chatter. Now, the other side, which I mentioned last night, you must be referring to what I mentioned about Bhikkhu Bodhi bringing in the part about you know the, the content that we allow into our minds. How much of the content that we allow into our minds is idle? You know, the the internet browsing or the the radio that we listen to or television. Um, you know, how much of that is is just busying our minds with junk that's not really necessary. And partly this, you know, this, this level of contemplation is, you know, it's very interesting to think about and to explore. Um, you know, I find that if I, if I watch some television, you know, the mind gets to feel kind of agitated, you know, because it's just, it, there's all this, you know, just agitating stuff happening. And so that's, that's part of the point around looking at this idle chatter is to help to settle the mind down. Now, at times, though, I mean, there's kind of different levels of the way our minds work, right? I mean, sometimes you're feeling caught by some, you might be feeling caught by some, you know, repetitive thought in your mind, and it's like, well, let me turn on the radio so I can distract myself from that repetitive thought. You know, some unskillful, angry thought that keeps coming back. Maybe sports radio is just the antidote you need for that. So, um, you know, the the, the idleness of it isn't so much about the thing itself as it is about the the way it's in, you're engaging with it. And one last piece I'll mention about idle, or actually about wise speech in general. Um, this is something that I, having uh, only a limited amount of time last night, I had to cut out of the talk, but I find it fascinating. There is a teaching around um, the way we wake up where there are stages to our awakening. 
and at, at various levels of the awakening, things fall away. At each of the levels of awakening, things fall away. And there's some standard lists of things that fall away as we wake up. Um, and I won't go into those standard lists, but I happen to be uh, browsing through one of the commentaries, the Buddhist commentaries, that had a bunch of these lists of things that fall away over the various stages of awakening. And just to, put the, to tell you briefly about these stages, the first stage of awakening is what is called stream entry. And that's supposed to be kind of your first taste of um, really deeply understanding the ending of suffering really deeply, clearly understanding this is possible. It is possible that suffering will end. And, um, you know, certain things fall away there, but you still have a a large measure of greed, aversion, and delusion. At the second stage of awakening, basically greed and aversion are attenuated. I mean, this is kind of the stage maybe where things are, are going along much more smoothly in your life. You're not caught as much by greed and aversion, but they're attenuated. They don't disappear by the second stage of awakening. The third stage of awakening said greed and aversion disappear. The fourth stage of awakening is when um, delusion disappears. So that's fully awakened when, when you, you, the delusion has disappeared. And so in reading through this text, it mapped out the four kinds of wise speech or unwise speech onto what, which ones of these fall away as we awaken. So first stage of awakening, false speech falls away. Second stage of awakening, divisive speech and harsh speech are attenuated. They're a little bit less. Third stage of awakening, divisive speech and harsh speech fall away. It's not until you're fully enlightened that idle chatter falls away. (laughs) So, give yourselves a break. (laughs) It's not going to be until we're fully liberated that idle chatter falls away. (laughs) It's motivated out of delusion. And that's when delusion... When delusion falls away, the the idle chatter will fall away. So it's time to stop. So I'll see some of you in the morning.